Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Diedrich Bonhoeffer was a pastor in Hitler's Germany, uh, and he took Jesus very, very seriously. In fact, some thought he took it too seriously. He wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship, and he was a strong and vocal opponent of Hitler and the Nazi regime. This would cost him his life. He would get arrested. He would be hung in April of 1945. His passion was building a strong church, and he created an underground training center for Christians who would take the gospel seriously. He believed that Christians could stand firm among the culture pressures of the day. Even though culture was pressing in on them, they said, we could stand strong. We can be a beacon of hope in a dark time. But one of his friends thought he was too hardcore uh, and said, hey, you need to calm it down a little bit. So uh, what Bonhoeffer did is he, he got his friend in a boat and they went across this river and they went up a hill and they were, he pointed down, he pointed down at Hitler's planes taking uh, off and, and landing and, and then all the soldiers organized walking about, doing their exercises, doing their training and, he, and then he points back over to his training center and he says this, he said, this must be stronger than this. This must be stronger than this. And my brothers and sisters in 2021, our passion for what God is doing in here, in us, has to be stronger than what's out there. If you're uh, new to us, if you're just looking in, Jubilee Church is a church that aspires not just to be generally Christian, but we wanna take him seriously. We can see that the cultural pressures are all around us, to the left, to the right, and all around. There is mounting pressure to conform to something that is not of Jesus. So in a world of us and them, we want to be committed to being wholly his. And like Bonhoeffer, we realize that what what Jesus wants to put in us needs to be stronger than what we see out there, that humility must be stronger than pride, that meekness must be stronger than privilege, that mercy uh, should be stronger than what's holding on to yours, that sacrifice must be greater than our rights. As, it, as to peacemaking, forgiveness stronger than bitterness. Uh, as to righteousness, a hunger stronger than apathy. As a member of God's kingdom, rejoicing greater than cynicism. And the good news is that this isn't dependent upon you and I in the Sermon on the Mount. It is not a list of requirements to be Christian, but it is the fruit of repenting from being self-ruled to turn in faith and being God-ruled, that through repentance and faith and making Jesus supreme, he's going to make us a force in culture to be reckoned with. So in our text today, Jesus is going to say to us, he's going to say to his church, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. This isn't what you're going to be. This is who you are. This is your identity. Your identity is is to make an impact by embracing my rulership from from no longer being self-ruled, but being ruled by me, you're going to make it a you're going to have an influence and you're going to make a difference in society. In fact, we will make a unique difference because Jesus doesn't say, hey, you're going to be one of the solutions. 
He says that you are going to be the solution, the only thing that really matters. You're going to be the solution to. You are the salt. You are the light. Now, know this. You and I, we are called to make a difference. It is our purpose as a church. In fact, we put that right in our purpose statement. Jubilee Church, we want to know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. And if you don't know about that, if you're new to this space, we would invite you to join our, our growth track where, where you can find out how you can connect more deeply with us and discover your purpose, learn how you can make a difference. But we are, make no mistake, we are not called to simply be church attendees. We're not simply called to affirm uh, and have some mental assent to some doctrine that doesn't affect our hearts, that doesn't affect our lives. That's religion. And if that's the case, I'm out. If that's all we're doing, if we're just uh, parroting some religious charade, man, I'm the first one out the door. I want the real deal. I want to engage him. I want to engage his word. I want to engage his presence. I want him to mold me and shape me into the image of his son. And today, when we're talking about salt and light, we're talking about you and I making a difference, not because of us, but because of him. There is nothing special about you and I, but there is everything special about Jesus. So let us pray, and we'll get into our topic today. Father, we need um, your help. We thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross, making it possible uh, for us to know you, for us to know what this word even uh, means and talks about. We thank you that you've entered the world. We thank you that you are the light and you have revealed yourself to us. And I just pray you would bless us, strengthen us, equip us, and empower us for the work that you have called us to do. Amen. Amen. So when Jesus talks about, so we're in this section of the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about us being salt and light. When he talks about us being salt and light, he's saying something about us and he's saying something about the world. What does it say about us? Well, salt is a chemical reaction of two different elements, sodium and chloride. And the Christian is a, is a uh, spiritual reaction when grace overwhelms sinful men and women. You weren't born salt. You weren't born a Christian. God made you a Christian. God made you salt. So in one sense, you and I are just like everyone else. We're not special. We're not unique. Um, we should be, in one sense, we just relate like everyone else in the world. Uh, we, we are those who admit we're not who we're supposed to be. We're morally, we're spiritually bankrupt. Therefore, at one level, we identify with the world. We're just like everyone else in the world. And at Jubilee Church, if you're new to, you're new to us, I mean, we're all over the map. We have people who uh, who've dropped out of high school school and we have PhDs. We have uh, two-parent homes uh, where they can't even remember the, the last time Jesus was not central. And you know they, you go to their homes, they got like a, a picture of the family, like every one and a half years, everything's perfect, everything's awesome. And we celebrate that. And then we have people who've come from utter brokenness. Um, people born into brokenness. Maybe we don't even know who our mother and father is. Maybe we were abused by our mother or our father. We have people who feel guilty about watching a rated R movie, and we have people who take smoke breaks during service. I mean, I'm out there the other day, um, <laughs> and uh, you know, talking to someone before the service end, and you know, he uses a trifecta of cuss words to compliment my sermon. Like he doesn't even know, like he's not supposed to do that with the pastor. I love that we're that 
We're all, so we've got people all over the map. We are just like, in one sense, we are just like everyone else. But in another sense, we are salt, which means we are utterly unique, not because of us, but because we have been indwelt by the spirit of God. There is a spiritual reaction that makes us salt, what makes us unique, what makes us different makers. That's not something of the flesh. It's something of the spirit. It's Christ, the hope of glory in me. Salt also means that we are valuable. This, the word salary comes from the ancient word salt money. Salt was a form of currency. Even today, when we say someone who has earned their pay, we say that they're worth her salt. She's worth her salt. He's worth her salt. When you had people over to dinner in the ancient world, the honored guest would be the one who would sit the closest to the salt cellar. So you as my bride, he's saying that you, my people, have tremendous value in society, not because of you, let's be so clear about this, but because of me, Jesus says. So salt says something about us, but it also says something about the world. If this was 100 years ago, I'd probably have to uh, explain this a little bit more because we've gone from being optimist to pessimist. I mean, everyone's cynical of everyone. Uh, We don't trust people. We don't trust politicians. We don't trust ministers. Uh, We don't, you know, I've had people say, oh, you're in this uh, for money. Uh, You're part of organized religion. Uh, Doctors are in it for the money. Big business is crooked. Uh, We don't trust trust anyone. Um, in fact, there's this famous quote that says, everyone here is a crook except you and me. And I'm beginning to wonder about you. Um, the reality is, here's, why, here's what the, it's saying about the world. It's saying that the world is falling apart. Because salt today has more than 14,000 uses, but actually it was even more important back then. And, and its primary use back then was as a preservative. So they didn't have refrigerators back then. So if you got a piece of meat and you weren't going to eat it right away, you would slap it with salt to preserve it. And Jesus is saying the world needs this salt because it's decaying and falling apart. And that's true. I mean, it's just a true statement. Everything about this world is falling apart. When you buy something, they give you a warranty for what? One year, three year, five year? Ever heard of a 10-year warranty? Not very often. Why? Because things fall apart. You may have a job dependent upon things falling apart. Your whole income is fixing things that fall apart. My wife wants a new couch because it's falling apart. I want a new baseball team because it's falling apart. I'm talking to you, Cardinals. You better not let Melina go. You better not do it. I want a new baseball team. You and I are falling apart. I'm 45 years old and I gotta be careful when I get out of bed. I can't just like, you know, casually get out of bed and just do whatever I want or I might throw out my back. I've done it. I've done it recently and it hurts. I'm falling apart. Uh, The older we get, molecules begin to break down. Skin begins to sag and wrinkle. Hair falls out. Disease creeps in and then we die and we literally fall apart. From dust we come and dust we will return. Relationships fall apart. Marriages fall apart. Friendships fade away. Scientists is telling you that even the universe itself is falling apart. Your home, your car, your boat, 
all falling apart. Civility is falling apart. Some say democracy is falling apart. Others say freedom is falling apart. Disintegration, by the way, did not start in 2020, but it certainly accelerated. Everything that we know is literally falling to pieces, even if, even if we were able to solve our greatest problems, whatever you think they are, healthcare, cancer, racism, politics, poverty, crime, education, even if we were able to solve the world's greatest problems, you and I can do nothing about death. The death rate has been and always will be somewhere around one per person. You and I are a slave to death. The world is falling apart. So what's the answer? You are. We are. Jesus is saying you take the church away, you take you away, the world falls apart. Jesus wants us to know that there is something significant at stake here. But then he says, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? Now, scientifically, salt cannot lose its saltiness, but here's what can happen. It can get diluted. Uh, One of the ancient modes of thievery that's still alive today is to take a pure substance, cut it with something that's impure, right? So today, if you were to take a bag of marijuana and then you were to take half of it out and mix the other bag with oregano or something that looked like marijuana, then you have two bags of marijuana. Now, some of you don't know what I'm talking about and some of you do, and I just want you to know it's okay either way. So to dilute the purity of a substance that looks like it, especially when you mix it together, it's a way of losing its potency, its power. So if you take salt and you mix it with something that looks like salt back then, and you were then to take that diluted salt and put it on your meat, what's going to happen is that meat is going to spoil and decay because what you used was not pure salt. It had no power, no effect because it wasn't authentic. It wasn't genuine. It was a lookalike. It was a lookalike. Look at me. At Jubilee Church, at Jubilee Church, we are not trying to be a lookalike. We cannot be a lookalike Christian. We cannot be lookalike salt. We We have to be genuinely, we're not going to be generally Christian. We are going to be authentically his. So how you and I lose our saltiness is that we dilute it with something else. Jesus is speaking directly at us and saying, this is who you are. This is what I've made you to be. This is what I want inside of you. These are the values. These are the aspects. Don't dilute who you are. Don't be a lookalike. Don't simply learn the externals of a transformed life and then learn how to play those externals. Don't mix me with the political party. Don't mix me with cultures whimsical, uh, fickle, and sometimes nonsensical perspective of what is true, what is just, what is right. Do not cut me up with anything. Otherwise, people will mistake you for the real deal only to be a lookalike. And when, you're no, when you lose your saltiness, what does he say next? You are no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet discarded, worthless, a punchline. I've gathered a handful of people in the church to study this passage with me, and one of the women in this group pointed out that salt was also used as a fertilizer. And and this is true, specifically salt 
was used to prevent unwanted growth. So not only will salt prevent unwanted bacteria on meat, it will also prevent unwanted plants from growing in your field. So how do you know if you've lost your saltiness? Well, let me ask you, what's growing around you? What's thriving around you? Is it love? Is it meekness? Is it joy? Is it sacrifice? Is it generosity? Is it purity? Or is it anger? Is it malice? Is it pride? Is it apathy? Is it lust? When pure salt is there, unwanted growth, contrary to the kingdom of God, cannot thrive. That's why you and I need to keep our saltiness. And I got to be honest with you, this is hard because I want to be liked. I mean, that's my preference. I don't know what your preference is. My preference is to be liked. But listen, when God saved me, right, he put me at odds with the world. I am an alien and a stranger, So he has put me at odds with the world. And so my temptation is to try to make peace with the world some way, somehow. Because, um, but if I do that, then I cease to be salty. Now, I don't want to be an agitator. Um, You know, there are some Christians out there who claim persecution when really they're just not very nice, right? Peter says, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. I mean, that's what Jesus says. Blessed are you when people persecute you, but then he says, let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler, right? Let the gospel be an offense. Don't you be an offense? But man, being sold is not an easy place to stand. In fact, some of the most awkward moments haven't been what I've said about Jesus. It's just simply when I've said, no, thank you. So now people, I don't get invited to these situations now, but when I, when I, was, I remember being a fir- first time I became a Christian, first time I became, when I first became a Christian, uh, my buddies at the time said, hey, uh, we're going to go do this and this. And I would say, no, thank you. And they'd be like, oh, what, are you being judgmental? Are you, are you better than us? I said, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, no, thank you. I'm saying I, I don't want to be a part of that. I mean, you go ahead and I'll bail you out of jail when, you know, when that happens, but I'm not joining that. I'm not going to be a part of that. Now, all of a sudden, I'm judgmental because I say, no, thank you, but let me tell you what's going on, what's going on in them and what's going on with anyone when you stand firm on what you know God wants you to do, what that's called is conviction. What's it's called conviction. And my role my role is to play, the role that I play may lead to their salvation. Now I say lead to their salvation because that's in God's hands. Salvation is in God's hands, not in my hands, but my role in that situation is to stand under the weight of that rejection. Here's where the rubber hits the road. This is how you and I be salt in our group, in our subgroup, whatever it is. When we're standing there, we stand under the weight of that rejection because we say, Christ is my identity. Christ is my joy. I will stand firm in what he's asked me to do, regardless of what other people say, trusting that God and the the Holy Spirit of God is going to work conviction in their heart and leave salvation up to them. Which, by the way, this is why you are in desperate need of Christian community. Uh, If you're going to live this way, you need community more than you think. Sometimes we don't feel like we need community because we never put ourselves in those places. We either distance ourselves from people who need the gospel, or we've just become like the world. We never feel that tension. We never stand under the weight of rejection. 
So let me ask you, are you willing to be salt in your neighborhood? Are you willing to be salt in your workplace? Are you willing to be salt in your family? Are you willing to be salt on social media? When you and I shy away from the truth of the gospel, that he's our savior, that he's our hope, and you take him at his word, both, uh, both the parts you like and both the parts that you don't like, we all have our to-do list, if you take away the offense of your subgroup, you take away the potency of the gospel and your intended effect in society. You and I are called to make a difference in the world. Now, here's something to consider. We are all over the map when it comes to saltiness. And what makes us salty isn't that we achieve moral perfection. So I don't want to confuse people. I'm going to keep repeating this so we're so, so clear. What marks our life isn't that we've attained perfection, is that we are continually and habitually confessing, repenting, turning from being self-ruled to being God-ruled, which is to believe in your heart and to confess with your mouth that in and of yourself, uh, man, you're a mess and you need Jesus. It's not by pursuing perfection that you are salt. It comes by knowing that you are not and you're willing to admit it and therefore elevating Christ in your life. That is how you make a difference. It's like when I was 13, um, uh, me and uh, my buddy, we played baseball every day and we loved baseball, loved playing baseball, played it every day. And all of a sudden, this girl comes around and my buddy likes this girl, hangs out with this girl. This girl doesn't like baseball. But guess what happens to my buddy? All of a sudden, he doesn't like baseball anymore. And now, it only lasted about four and a half days, but what happens is when you get infatuated with something, when you get infatuated with someone, man, whatever they like, you like now. And that's the way it is with Jesus. People ask me all the time, what's your stance on this, stance on this, stance on this, stance on this? Hey, before I get to that, I, just got, I, just, I need to let you know, I love Jesus. I think he's God. I think he's king. I think he's savior of the world. He is the best thing in my life. And here's my stance, whatever Jesus says. What he likes is what I like. And that's what you do as a Christian. That's how you become salty, is that you love Jesus. You want Jesus. And you know that you need Jesus. So we are salt, but we are also light. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and just put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Now, we've got a little uh, work to do biblically here because we know from the rest of the Gospels, specifically John, that the light of the world is Jesus. We are not the source of light. We are a lamp. You know, we're not the sun. So our light is derived. The world has a savior and it happens not to be you. It happens not to be me. It happens not to be a law or a politician or even a nation. It's not even the church. Jesus is the savior, but he wants to so indwell us. He wants to so inhabit his church that the light of Jesus shines through us to the world, that we live in such a way that we demonstrate that there's something greater in the universe with our money, with our time, with our talents, with our ambitions, with our desires, with our freedoms, with our sense of truth, with all of that, we say there's something greater than me. And with that, 
that attitude and that life with those kinds of works, you are going to stand out like a 100,000 watt light bulb in the middle of darkness, in the middle of a world that says it's all about you, that you deserve better and you should strive better. And if you don't get what you want, you should fight for better. We are different. We are meant to pop out like light. So when circumstances are beating you up, disease, job, quarantine, other people, kids falling away from Jesus, but because you see a reward, that is Jesus, and the joy set before you, you don't murmur, you don't complain, you don't criticize, you don't do vengeance. You look at how you're being treated, but because you are so captured by Jesus and what he's done for you, even in the middle of those situations, you rejoice. And when people see that, man, that is bright. That's like, I've never seen that. What is that? They've seen people happy with prosperity. They've seen people happy when things go their way. They've seen people happy when their teams win. What they haven't seen is a people who are happy when they don't have prosperity, when things don't go their way, when their team doesn't win. We are those, salt and light are those who rejoice even in the middle of persecution because the reward of knowing Jesus and his promises are just that great. In fact, we sacrifice, we give, we serve, we go. That's called a miracle. That's called supernatural. That's called a Christian. That's called, I've never seen that before. People look at that and say, God must be real to them. God must be doing something in them, in that situation, because I'm in that situation, I want out. I'm in that marriage, I want out. But they are in that situation, and this person is there, and they're faithful, and they're gentle, and they're kind, and they're humble, and they're meek, and they're happy, and they're contented, and they're full. In fact, they're more than full because they are rejoicing, even in the midst of tears and pain. And I just want you to know, church, that's who you are. That's who God's called you to be. And no, you don't have this in you. You are never meant to live independent of him. You are desperately dependent on Jesus to live this way. So what do we do? Well, we do Matthew 4, 17. We repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. We receive the kingdom. We receive his rulership in our life. We turn from being self-ruled to being God-ruled. We let him conquer us. We let him live in and through us. We crucify our flesh and our desires. So like Paul, we can say, it is no longer I who live, but it's Christ in me, salt and light. So what if we all did this? Because while this can be applied individually, this is a corporate word. I mean, the, 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 the language here is plural. I mean, it's you, but it's, the you is plural. It's more like you all. I mean, if you were at lunch or dinner today and someone said pass the salt, you wouldn't pass them one granule. <laughs> like he, he's not, they're not wanting one granule. They want a whole community of salt. And that's what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about a granule here and a granule there. He's talking about a community being poured out in the world. And when he talks about light, he's talking about a city that's displayed, that's visible. We are together expressing as a community what it looks like to be totally surrendered to God. And it's that end that I want to pray for as we close. Father, I just am amazed by you 
I'm amazed by your plan. Jesus, we are so enamored with you. We love you. We adore you. Whatever you say, whatever you like, that's the team we want to be on. God, I pray you do a work in us. God, we want to be the real deal. We don't want to just, we don't, we're not content anymore to be generally Christian. We want to be wholly yours. God, pray. We just, I just, we just want to publicly pray. We want to pray right now that you would do a work in our hearts. We turn from being self-made. Lord, any evidence that doesn't reflect being under your rulership, demonstrating your, the values of the kingdom, God, we just repent from that and we turn to you. We trust you. We need you. And if you're there, he's like, man, I've never repented. I've never been a part of this kingdom. I thought you had to be something. I thought you had to clean your act up. I just want you to know it's not about cleaning your act up. You can respond to Jesus right here, right now. And if that's you, just join our prayer. Just say, yeah, I want to turn from being self-made. I want you. I want in on the kingdom. I want to be a part of not the problem. I want to be part of the solution. I don't want to be I don't, I don't want to be partly Christian. I don't want to be impure. I don't want to be cut up with other, some other agenda. I want to be wholly, purely yours. We say that together. We ask you, Spirit, to mold and shape us into that people. In your name, amen.